Okay, I'm pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, last week, I started talking about the design of Mirage. But I didn't finish, so I'm going to continue talking about it. Um, so for starters, I mangled the story last week. Uh, so I did a little research to have a better understanding of what the story was. I was in the mall park, but uh, I made a few mistakes. So there were three different nations um, and the three nations, remember there were three that were sort of in conflict? There were three nations, and the nations were the Zulfarans, which were a military kingdom, the Femerif, which was a religious state, and the Sakata, which was a trading province. Um, and they are, when the story begins, they're having squabbles amongst themselves. But uh, a planeswalker named Teferi has been doing experiments and phased out the entire continent of Jamora, which is where this takes place. Uh, and when the story begins, I think it has just come back, and that gets the attention of Kervak and Mangara, and Jorel, I think. Um, and so what happens is, Kervak is the bad guy that comes, and he kidnaps Mangara, and it's the Jamorans trying to stop Kervak. That's the main thrust of the plot. Um, and so, uh, essentially... They have to gather together and get the heroes together, and they end up using the weather light ship to travel there. But the, the main part of the story is trying to free Mangara from the Amber Prison. Um, but the, when I talked about the, the three different states, it wasn't the... Last time I was implying that it was built around the mages. It wasn't. It was actually built around the, the areas, the, the, um, the different sections of Jamora, uh, the, you know, the different people. Um, anyway, what I want to do today is tell some card stories... Um, and these are all over the board. These are, uh, once again, a lot of my stories will be things that I was directly involved with because I know them. Um, but I just want to talk about just a lot of different stories. Mostly I want to jump up, jump up to different cards. Um, so I'm going to start with my favorite card in the set because it has a personal attachment. Um, so most people know my nickname is Maro, but not everyone might know why. Uh, and Mirage is why. Um, so... There was a hole. We, when we were making cards one day, we made a hole in rare green. And I said, oh, I, I have a neat idea for a card. Uh, and basically the idea I had was it was a card that got bigger. It was as big as your hand. You know, it was star, star, or star was your hand. Um, and I liked that green has this flavor of growth. And the idea of a lot of green creatures, you want to sort of start small and they keep getting bigger over time. Um, and so uh, I thought it was a good fit for green. Um, it's interesting the Morrow ability makes sense in blue and green for different reasons. Like, green plays into the growth aspect, or blue plays into the knowledge aspect. So we, it's an ability we use in both. But anyway, um, Bill Rose was uh, taking down notes. And so when he wrote the card down, I didn't have a name for it. And so he just wrote down M-A-R-O, which is uh, what Bill used to do uh, in our mail system was he would try to figure out the shortest number of letters that you had to type to get somebody's name to show up. And for me, if you typed M-A-R-O, I was the first name that showed up. Because M-A is Mark, R-O is Rosewater. It's the first two letters of my first and last name. Um, so the card came out, and then it just ended up becoming my nickname. So uh, uh, online, I get called Maro constantly. And that comes from this. comes from uh, this card. Um, I love the card Maro. Um, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, the artwork has an awesome story, too. So uh, last week, I talked about Sue Ann Harkey, the uh, art director, uh, of Mirage, and she was at an art show, and she saw this picture that she loved. Now, be aware, this was a piece of art that the artist just made as a piece of art. It wasn't 
for magic. It was, they, it was called the Green Man. And she was captivated. She's like, this is awesome. So she bought the rights to the picture. So Morrow is unique in that it's one of, maybe the only one, where the, the card wasn't made for magic. It was just an artist made a card, and we bought the image. Now, I later actually bought the photo. It's one of, the, one of, one of my four magic photos that I own. Or four, I'm sorry, four pieces of magic art. Uh, I own Morrow, I own Look at Me the DCI, I own Mize, and I own um, Jeffter Sombrero. Um, so, anyway, uh, they're all cards that have some personal attachment to me. You know, I have some personal attachment to. Um, so, and, anyway, that's Morrow's story. Next, we talk about Lion's Eye Diamond. Okay, so, Charlie Catino, who I'd brought up before, was on the design team. He wasn't on the development team, but he was on the design team. And he was trying to make a bad card. Charlie loves making bad cards. Uh, and the one of the, Charlie's beliefs is that, you know, doesn't have to have some bad cards. And Charlie was in the camp of, well, you know, every set should have a few really bad cards. And so Charlie was trying to make a really bad card. So um, the card he made was, it's an artifact. Uh, it costs zero. And if you sacked it and sacked your entire hand, you could get three colorless mana. So I saw this card, and I said, okay, Charlie, if you're going to make a bad lotus, you know, a bad black lotus, at least make a, a black lotus. So I convinced him to change it to be three card, you know, three uh, mana of one color, like black lotus. So the idea is, okay, it's just a really bad black lotus. Black lotus did that and didn't make you discard your hand. Lion's Eye Diamond makes you discard your hand. Uh, and the interesting thing about Lion's Eye Diamond is that at first it was, I mean... We got angry mail. Why'd you make this card? I mean, whenever we make a, a bad card, uh, we'll get people who are like, why'd you make this card? Um, but the funny thing is, it didn't turn out to be all that bad. In fact, it, I believe it is now uh, restricted in vintage. It's banned in legacy. Um, it is a powerful, powerful card. Because it turns out that getting a Lotus, even with discarding your hand, still can be very powerful. Um, and so Charlie did not quite accomplish his task of making a very, very bad card. Speaking of very, very bad cards, another card to talk about. Horrible Hordes. So that's a 2-2 Rampage 1. Uh, Rampage, for those that might not know their uh, Legends, was a, it was a mechanic that showed up in Legends that was actually evergreen for a little bit of while in Magic. Uh, what it meant was, if I was blocked, uh, for every creature beyond the first creature blocking me, I got plus N plus N, where N is the you know, Rampage N. So Rampage 1 means, so this is a 2-2 creature that if you block me with more than one creature, it gets plus 1 plus 1 for each additional creature beyond the first. So one of the reasons we stopped doing Rampage, by the way, is Rampage, the beyond the first thing is annoying. Because what it does, it says, I just don't matter almost all the time. You know, because opponents know it has the Rampage. So, you know, first of all, people do not block with multiple creatures all that much. I mean, it happens, but not as much as you think it does. And second, when they rampage, you tend not to do that. Um, and this card was almost a joke because it's a 2-2. Like, a lot of the other rampage cards are big. Like, you know, 4-4, four, 5-5, four, five, five, or where you kind of have to double block it to kill it. Uh, but a 2-2, two, two, a 2-2 two, two can just be jumped by a 2-1, you know. Um, and so the card was originally, I think, called Horrible, Horrible Hordes. Uh, and then they dropped it to Horrible Hordes because Horrible Horrible didn't fit. Uh, but the card was made to be bad, and the, na- the name was kind of like thumbing the nose at you, like, I'm a bad card. Um, but even the, the funny thing is, even that card did see some play in Limited. Um, even even as horrible as the horrible hordes were. Um, okay, the next card, Foratog. Okay, so Foratog was just made by the, the Visions design team to be some kind of, you know, nature spirit or something. Um, and I saw it, and I... and the, In fact, the stats were... 
It was a one-two, and you sacrifice a force, and it got plus two, plus two, it'll end a turn. And I was like, hey, that, that's an ATOG. I, you know, it had the, it even had the one-two stats, it sacked something, it got plus two, plus two, you know, and um, I, I think originally it might have been, um, it might have been G, G and Tap, and I convinced him to sack a, sack a forest. Anyway, it was very, very close to, to a, a tog, and I'm like, I, so, little side note. Um, so, Antiquities, up until I worked for Wizards, Antiquities was my favorite set. I will talk about Antiquities one of these days. Um, I loved, 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 loved Antiquities. And I was a huge fan of ATOG. Now, for those who don't know, when Antiquities first came out, ATOG was a hated card. Hated card. People hated it. They didn't really understand. It, it, actually, it's a pretty powerful card, but people didn't get how powerful it was. And it was, I think it showed up, it was a common, and then it showed up in Revised, I think. And, and so, like, at one point in Magic, like, it was the most printed card in Magic. Um, and so people somehow didn't like ATOG. But I loved ATOG. And so when I saw this chance to sort of make a new ATOG, I was very excited. And I remember I had, I had to sell it a little bit, but but they it wasn't that hard. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, you know. They, too, sort of had, you know, they had some appreciation for ATOG. And then once I did that, like, this set wheels in motion. Um, as one of the themes today is a bunch of cycle, cycles that uh, start in Mirage that go bigger than Mirage. Um, and so one of them was the Aton cycle. So what happened was we ended up making, um, in this set we made four Atog, which is a green Atog. There already was a red Atog. Um, and then we um, made a blue Atog, Chronotog in Visions. We made Necrotog, a black Atog in Weatherlight. And then in... Um, in Tempest, we finished it off with Oratog, a white Atog. So we made a little Atog cycle. Um, and that was pretty much my doing. Uh, I, I, uh, people have their, their pet agendas, and uh, I, I loved Atog. So I, I wanted to make sure that, uh, that we had more Atogs in the game. So I, I did do that. Um, on my current list is figuring out how to get Atogs back. They sort of drifted away. But, but I've not loved the loss of Atogs. Um, okay, speaking of cycles, I now need to talk about the Mega Mega Cycle. Uh, so the card here is Teferi's Isle. Um, we used to make a lot of Gilligan's Isle jokes about that card. You know, here on Teferi's Isle. Um, anyway, so what happened was um, we had this card. So Teferi was a main character, and what happened was he had taken a big chunk of Jamora and phased it out. And so we loved the idea of a land, you know, that itself had phasing. Um, but since the fairy was a blue mage, we're like, oh, well, it should tap for blue. But we had this dilemma that normally when, when we tap for a color, we make a cycle. And we didn't really want to or have room to make a full cycle, so we came up with this idea. We said, what if this was part of a cycle, much like the Oratogs? But we went a little further. Not just a cycle. A mega, mega cycle. We decided to make a cycle larger than any cycle we'd ever made or larger in time. So what happened was, uh, Teferi's Isle shows up in the first set in Mirage Block. Then, in Stronghold, the second set in uh, Tempest Block, the next block, we made Volrath's, uh, Volrath's Stronghold. Um, uh, so we made the black one. And then in the middle set, I'm sorry, in the third set in Urza Saga, in Destiny, we made the green one. Uh, and then the next year was Mercadian Masks, and in the second one, uh, did we make the red one? And then in the first set in, what was that, after American Invasion, we made, like, the white one. So, like, it was a cycle that took 
five years to make. It went first set, second set, third set, second set, first set. So we even did a little pattern. Um, but anyway, that's that's the kind of dedication uh, taking five years to finish a cycle. There was, uh, I don't know. I, one of the things I enjoy is I like having larger patterns happen in magic. And I, when, I, when I can, I, I try to do those. Um, it's a little trickier nowadays than it was back then. Because back then, because it was the same group of people doing every set, like... If we wanted to set something and four of us decided, well, we were the development team every set so we can make it happen. Now there's lots of different development teams and so it's a little harder to have a single agenda go through. You got to push a little harder to make that happen. Okay, next. Let me talk about a little about my flavor text writing. Um, so there's two pieces of flavor text, three pieces of flavor text that I wrote for this set that I want to talk about. So first is, um, the, first I'll talk about the one that has lasted the longest. Um, so... What happened was, on this set, we got the art in earlier than we, we nowadays do. I think the art came in, the way the art waves worked back then is, we actually had the art in earlier than we, than, than we now do. And, and so, when we were writing flavor text, I had the chance to look at the art to write the flavor text. And so, we got the art back for pacifism, which is this creature, this sort of mean-looking creature, but he has this kind of look on his face, like, you know, he's been... Uh, he has a spell on him, and now he's he's all pacified. Um, and I did something about him. I don't know. I I decided to give him a name. I think I call, I call him Grok. I think a uh, Grak, Grak. Um, and I I had this little thing about how it's the first time he uh, he, he he had warm warm fuzzies. Uh, anyway, it's a piece of flavor text I wrote on a lark. I thought was fun, and it is just stuck around. Like I don't know how many pieces of flavor text I still have in like the core set, but so far. Uh, pacifism um, uh, keeps sticking around. One of the random jokes in R&D is because the card says, you know, for the first time, is that every time we reprinted it, we should have said, for the second time, for the third time. Um, but anyway, that's a piece of flavor text that just somehow hit a note and stuck around. Um, the second piece of flavor text uh, was for Dwarven Minor. So, uh, so pacifism, by the way, for the first time in his life, Grack felt a warm and, fu- warm and fuzzy. Um, is that right? So the, the flavor text for Dwarven Minor was... Fetch the pest, re- fe- fetch the pest ridder, Paka. We've got dwarves in the rutabaga, um, and that I was so tickled by that flavor text. Just the idea that, like, you know, in Jumora, like the dwarves are kind of like, you know, pests. Like, oh, you better go get the exterminator. We got dwarves in the rutabaga again, and I just somehow I I was this one tickled me to no end, um, and I got in a big fight with our editor type, a woman named Darla. Because uh, she kept wanting to change little words, you know, like instead of, um, I, I, I think I, I had, um, we have dwarves in the rutabaga, and she wanted to say dwarves, like, beneath the rutabaga, and I'm like, no, that blows the rhythm of the joke, it's, it, and so, like, like I, I really love this piece of flavor text, and, like, I had this drag-out fight with Darla about whether or not it should be in or beneath or neath or, anyway. Um, the third piece of flavor text I wrote might possibly be the greatest flavor text I've ever written uh, for a card called Reparations. Um, so what happened was, back in the day, this is my youngin' days, uh, when I was a single man, and pretty much I lived at Wizards. I mean, I didn't technically live. I, I had an apartment. But um, other than sleeping, I was at Wizards all day long. I mean, the way it worked is I'd get to work. I'd work all day. Uh, at nighttime, uh, all of us would go out to eat. 
In fact, one of the stories is uh, when I first started dating Laura, um, she's over in my apartment, and she goes to the cabinet to get something to eat because she's hungry. And she opens up, and there's nothing. She opens the fridge, there's nothing. There's literally no food in my house. She's like, where's your food? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't eat here. Because <laughs> uh, back in the day, I already ate out every meal, which probably wasn't the healthiest thing for us. But we ate out every meal. Um, and so... I was, I never ate at home. In fact, I was barely at home. So anyway, I was at work late, late one night. And I, I mean late, you know, two, three, four in the morning. And I'm working on some flavor text because I was, I was a diehard working machine. Uh, we also goofed around, played games. I mean, there, there wasn't, it wasn't just working. We had fun uh, and work was fun. But uh, so anyway, it was late at night and we had just gotten some new art in. I was going to some flavor text. So I got the art for reparations. And I'm like, what the, what in the world is this art? And it was, this couple, um, a dark-skinned couple with, you know, robes, and there's, like, a white man that's, like, uh, looks like a priest character, and he's handing them this bag that looks like, you know, it has gold or something in it. And in the background, you can see flames, like, 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 you know, like, like things are on fire. Um, and I'm like, what? What in the world is going on here? And so... Uh, now, given I'm punchy, punchy tired, so I write the flavor text. Sorry, I burned down your village. Here's some gold. <laughs> and I really, really, I wrote it because uh, uh, Michael, so Michael Ryan, who was uh, at the time an editor for Magic, he and I would later go on to be the people who did or started doing the Weatherlight Saga. He and I were the ones that pitched the Weatherlight Saga. Ever get to tell that story? Um, but Michael and I are up late working on flavor text, and I'm just. I think I was trying to make Michael laugh. I don't even think I was serious. I don't think that I was, like, trying to make flavor text as much as I was trying to make Michael laugh. And I showed this to him, and he started giggling. And I started giggling. And we laughed, and we laughed, and we laughed. And I'm like, I'm turning that in. And then they used it. I, as, as whatever is my witness, I, 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 when I saw that Ashley was chosen, I was flabbergasted. Because I thought it was funny, but I'm like, like, you know, I just didn't think it would be picked. So anyway, it's one of my, 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 my the ones I've written. It's one of my favorites. Um, I mean, I like Dwarven Minor, and, and there's a few other ones I've written. Um, I, I wrote a one I like a lot about, uh, but not, not in Mirage, about the advantages of using zombies that is fun. And I wrote a couple, um... Once for, uh, what's her name? Jai Boward. I wrote a bunch of Jai Boward ones um, uh, that I liked a lot, but, you know, fighting fire with fire. Anyway, okay, on to the next card. Uh, let's see, how about Brushwag? Um, well, this one's funny. I, I know we got Brushwag from, from the design team. Uh, and the, the interesting thing about Brushwag is somehow... I mean, we decided just to give it, like, to give it a name, and then just, it's creature that wasn't a name. Somehow, just the whole package of Brushwag, th- there are fans of Brushwag. I get letters that say, when are you making more Brushwag? <laughs> um, and the thing that I don't know, by the way, about Brushwag is, so you've seen it, there's, like, this looks like this giant tumbleweed, and then there's this cat. Now, the question is, is the cat part of the Brushwag? And then, like, he has this, like, porcupine-like middle part? Or is the brushwag eating the cat, and the cat is the victim of the brushwag? I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but anyway, maybe one day we'll make another brushwag. It, it is a card that I get a lot, gets a lot of attention for what really is a silly card that is not particularly powerful. Okay, next, Skulking Ghost. Okay, so another thing the Mirage did is it introduced a bunch of things that went on to be like just things Magic did. Um, and the funny thing about Skulking Ghost is that. 
Um, the idea was, the card was made, is it's this ghost. And, like, the second you sort of even approach the ghost, you know, it's ephemeral, right? Um, and so the funny thing is, R&D started calling that ability skulking. And we would, like, I think we made, like, skulking Cyclops. And the, the hilarious part is, the skulking wasn't the mechanic. The ghost was the mechanic. Like, the ghost disappears because it's so ephemeral. The, the skulking was just an adjective for the ghost. But we, we started calling it skulking. In fact, we, we still do. Uh, it's the nickname in R&D for that ability. Now, the, what's happened is, originally it was in black because it started in black. And at one point we said, you know, this makes a lot more sense for illusions, right? That you make an illusion and then as soon as you, once someone questions the illusion, then it pops. You know, they, it has reality until someone questions it and then it goes away. And so we've kind of shifted it over to blue. Blue, blue needed it. Um, so instead of skulk, skulking now, it's, it's sometimes called skulking, but it's the illusion ability. Um, now, another ability that started in this thing was um, stalking tiger. We still refer to that ability as stalking. Uh, what stalking tiger is, is um, you must be, you can only be blocked, sorry, you can only be blocked by one creature. It's something we put on green. Um, so usually it goes on bigger creatures and it says, hey, only one thing can block me. And so uh, it becomes hard to deal with if, 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 yeah, if it's on the bigger side because, well, only bigger things can block it. Small things can just chump it because you can't double block it. Um, and Skulking, by the way, I like way better than Rampage because it has a similar impact, but it's just simpler. It's easier to grok. Um, we do occasionally do New Rampage, by the way. We don't call it New Rampage, but where everything gets the bonus, but that's not something we do tons of. Okay, next. Um... Let me talk about uh, about art. Um, so there are a couple cards in the set. So Sue Ann Harkey, who's the art director, was an amazing art director in the sense that she got wonderful artists. So they drew amazing paintings. I mean, there. This is just as a if you wanted to put the art up in a, a museum. You know, th- this set has a very cool feel to it. Uh, it, it. It has a lot of the African background, and it just, it was very neat. And, and she found a lot of artists that went on to be staple magic artists. Sue and Harkey was an awesome, awesome, awesome art director. But one small problem with Sue Ann was she didn't know magic. She did not know magic. Um, and so what happened was that we would do things, and we would get art back that didn't work with what the card did. So I'm going to talk about a couple examples of that. Um, the first is uh, Goblin Scouts. So that card in the design file was Dwarven Scouts. Now, the card right now makes 1-1 Mountain Walkers, but originally it made 1-2 Dwarves. And the problem was we got the card back and we're like, those aren't Dwarves. Those are Goblins maybe trying to dress up like Dwarves. Like, it, it, they look like Goblins. They did not look at all like Dwarves. Um, and like I said, Sue Ann... Um, was not super familiar with fantasy, you know, that she, she came from a background of fine art, and, and so, like, this, she didn't really get distinguished between, oh, this is a goblin or not a dwarf, and so it didn't look like a dwarf, and so we had to change the card. Um, another card we made is Sunweb. So Sunweb originally was not supposed to be able to block, um, I think, white creatures. And then we got back the art, and it's a giant, like, white dragon in a net, you know, and and visually speaking, I understand that a dragon doesn't necessarily have to be a white creature, but like you don't want something that's just all white, especially in the set that had a white, had a white dragon. Um, like so, we changed it so it couldn't block small things. So like, oh well, that's a white thing. Like the card that can't block white things can't be shown blocking a white thing in the art. So we we changed it so it it cannot block smaller things because the smaller things sneak through the web is, is the idea. 
Um, the other one was wading in the weeds. So I'm a squirrel lover. Uh, hopefully that won't be taken out of context. Uh, I'm a big fan of squirrels. Uh, in fact, when we get to Urza's Legacy, we'll talk about how I did the card concepting, and you might notice a lot of squirrels in Urza's Legacy. I also picked the creature types for Odyssey, of which are squirrels. So anyway, um, but anyway, I was gung-ho to get squirrels into magic. They did not exist yet in magic. Uh, so this is cards that made these tokens, and I'm like, oh, this could be squirrels. This could be squirrels. And so um, I talked to the R&D people, and I'm like, here's our chance, guys. We can make squirrels. And they're like, well, I'm like, I'm like, guys, 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 squirrels. So I cared. They didn't. So we made a squirrel. I mean, they didn't dislike squirrels. I think I convinced them squirrels were awesome. But uh, I, I got them to go along. So we made the squirrels. And then the art, the art description for this thing was... Um, all these creatures are hidden in the bush. You can't even see what they are. You just can see the reflection of their eye, you know, their, their irises or whatever, their eyes. Um, so we're like, oh, okay, okay. And we get the art back, and it has these cats in it. Like, the artist put the creatures in it. Like, you weren't supposed to see the creatures. And we're like, okay, I guess they're cats. And I had to change it. And so, like, Waiting in the Weeds was supposed to be the first squirrel card in Magic. And it was not. Now I would later get squirrels in. But uh, that always made me sad, because that, that was a great chance to to have the squirrels that we so, so much beloved. Um, another thing to talk about when talking about art is that um, this is not something we do at all anymore, but back then, one of the things that would happen a lot is we would get art in, and the art eh, doesn't quite match the card we had. And so what we used to do is we'd have meetings where we'd lay out all the art, and then we'd have all the cards, and we'd assign them one for one. So the first thing we do is, like, here's art that has to go in this card, you know. This shows this thing, that's this, oh, you know, the only card this could be on. But what we'd end up with is we'd have about 30 or 40 pieces that were a little ambiguous exactly what they were. Um, and then we would try to mix and match stuff to make all the art fit. Because sometimes the art that came back didn't quite work for the card we had made, but we were able to sort of shift things around. Um, now, like I said, we don't, that does not happen anymore. Uh, but, but back in the day, back in the time of Mirage, that very much was. And we made 20, 30 swaps in art. And like I said, it stemmed from... Um, Sue Ann would make gorgeous things, but not all of them quite lined up. And so we fixed it by sort of shifting things around. You know, sometimes we would move mechanics. Um, okay, next, as we're talking about swapping. So let me talk about Gibbering Hyenas and uh, Matenda Lion. Okay, so uh, Gibbering Hyenas is a 3-2 for 2G, I think, that can't block black creatures. And... The Tenda Lion was a G2-1 that your opponent can pay blue to stop it. Now, originally, those were swapped. Uh, originally, the Tenda Lion was a G2-1 that couldn't be blocked by black... I'm sorry, that can't block black creatures. But the idea was, it's a 2-1. Who's blocking? You're going to attack with it. Um, but it turned out, at the time, we were afraid. Now, obviously, the, the, the creature curve has improved much over the years. But at the time of Mirage, it was thought that that green couldn't have a G2-1. That was, that's slightly too good. Which is funny, because white got a W2-1, but it's not like somehow green couldn't do that. Um, and obviously, you know, as, as recent sets have shown, a G can get a 2-1. In fact, it can get it in hybrid and have an ability on top of it. But uh, at the time, it couldn't. And so we swapped those two cards around. And uh, I, I think, you know, it's funny, because I think that Pretend uh, the Lion was... We thought it was going to be this really powerful card, and then the last minute we had to switch it and ended up being something that, like you know, more of a footnote than, than a card that really defined something at the time. Uh, but it was, when they, we were there, we, we really thought it was going to be something that was going to be a little bigger. Next, 
Anyaro Beasting. My bane! My bane! So this card, I'm not sure what card has caused me more frustration in all of Magic. Um, probably it's Desert Twister, which when I get to Arabian Nights I'll talk about. Um, but anyway, uh, this might be, this is up there. Because somehow this established that like, oh, green can do direct damage because bees are green. Uh, in fact, Aaron Forsyth, uh, if you ever get a chance to, to spell sling against him, uh, he has a dual deck that he has made that's a special dual deck that he made just for spell slinging, and it's called Birds vs. Bees. And uh, he always likes to show it to me because he, he knows it riles me um, that, uh, that bees... I, I think bees have been, have been misappropriated in magic, and somehow they're, they're used to, 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 to allow green to have direct damage when it should not have direct damage! That is wrong. I mean, well, it can hit flyers or whatever, but... Anyway, Anyaro Beasting is one of those cards that, like, I didn't like at the time. I tried to stop it. That, that's, by the way, here's the, the, one of the most frustrating things about magic is when you see something and you go, this is wrong. I need to stop this. And you fight to stop it. And you fight to stop it. And you fight to stop it! And you cannot. And you just cannot convince enough other people that it needs to be stopped. And then it happens. And then the next time, people are like, oh, we've done it. And you're like, no! Ay, ay, ay. So... Somehow bees, bees, bees will be the death of me. I don't mean literally. Hopefully, I'll, I'll, I'll attack by borrow attacked by bees. Um, but uh, holy moly! Uh, in, in fact, it's funny because uh, when I get si- people send cards for me to sign, and the number one card people ask me to sign is Morrow, the one named after me from Mirage. Uh, number two is look at me on the DCI. I did the art for it. I'm the artist. Uh, and number three is Hornet Sting. Hornet Sting. Like, isn't that just cool? I mean, like, do you go to, like, Bill Buckner and, like, here's the ball that you went through your legs that lost the World Series. Could you sign this, please? Like, I, maybe someone did that. I have no idea. But anyway, oh, by the way, Mark Rosewater making a sports reference that's actually somewhat, like, minute and detailed. So, just a little side note is, when I was in college, I've never really been into sports. I went to Boston University. I was there in the summer of, uh, what is it, 88? 87, 88, uh, and I got into baseball because it was Boston playing New York, and they were playing at, at uh, Fenway, Fenway Park right down the street because I lived uh, in, in, uh, um, right near there. And I mean, we literally, when people had home runs, I could hear them screaming. And so I said, okay, I got really into it because a lot of people from New York uh, in school, and like that was, I got my, my, my dreams crushed and hoped, and I'm like, okay, why am I paying attention to sports? So anyway, uh, sports had a chance, and it crushed my dreams, and so I moved on. Um... So, let's see. What other cards can we talk about? Uh, Raging Spirit. Let me talk about Raging Spirit. You're going to say, what can Mark possibly say about a hill giant, 3R, three, 3R, three, three, that for two mana can make itself colorless? That card screwed me over. That's what I can talk about. So, uh, back in the day, I used to make a puzzle column called Magic of the Puzzling. And... Um, Basically, I would make puzzles in which you had to solve them. Um, modern day Duels of the, Duels of the Planeswalkers has uh, something similar. Where you, like, you're, I basically have chess puzzles. Like, the game's in play, and here's what goes on, here's what you have, and here's what your opponent has in play, and win this turn, or you know, do something. There's different goals. Um, usually, it's win this turn. 
So anyway, I had a puzzle that I had made. I, I had made a book of puzzles. The puzzles were very, very popular. So before I came out to Wizards, I actually made a puzzle book. And I would made 50 puzzles for the book, but the, in the end, we decided to make 20, the book be 25 puzzles. So I had 25 puzzles that I had already made. So I decided I wanted to use these puzzles. So I thought I'd repurpose them in the Duelist. But because there were new sets coming out, I would try to redress them and add things that had to do with the current set to make them feel current. So one of the things I did is I had a hill giant in my puzzle. So I swapped the hill giant um, for uh, for Raging Spirit. Uh, and I said, okay, okay, whatever. It is a hill giant. It can turn itself colorless. And the fact that it could turn itself colorless broke the puzzle. In fact, I think it might be the first puzzle where, like, I had to make an apology going, oh, the puzzle doesn't work. Because I changed the hill giant for Raging Spirit. That card broke my puzzle. Anyway, that's, see, that's my little memory of that card. I'm sure other people are like, I won limited with it all the time or whatever. But it, it, to me, it's a card mirage or one of the cards mirage. It's, I, I, I hold my vendetta, you know, whatever. 18 years later, crush, crush that card. Anyway, I see wizards coming up in my front range. So I look at my list. I have lots more cards to talk about. So I am not yet done. I'm, I'm going to spend another, uh, another, at least one more, probably just one more, right? I don't that much more. I have enough to talk for another another car ride in. Um, but anyway, I hope you guys are enjoying my uh, my glance through Mirage. Um, I'm trying something a little new uh, in that I'm trying this idea of spending some time where I go through cards, where I actually talk about individual card stories. I do that on I do that in my column uh, whenever sets comes out and people like them. And so I thought it might be fun to do that. Um, anyway, I'm experimenting with this. So guys, give me some feedback what you think. Um, but anyway. Uh, I now it's it's time for me to go go to work. So thank you all for listening, and uh, it's time to go make the magic. <laughs>